the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham filling in for Seth Liebson today. My buddy is not feeling great today, so I am stepping in. It's one of those days. Came back from uh, good old Washington, D.C. this morning and walked into the, I think it was 116 degrees on my drive over here today. Uh, Hot, but not humid like Washington, D.C. Yesterday got up to 91 degrees, and I think it was like 80% humidity or something like that. I just sweat. And I never stopped sweating in places like that. Even my hotel room felt like a like a cold swamp cooler. It just didn't feel like it could ever really get cold and comfortable like I do here in Arizona. It's good for your skin, I hear. But at this particular point, it's not very good for my uh, hairdos. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have much hair anymore. But um, all that being said, welcome back. And it is that time. It's four. We cover a lot of things. I and mean, we have three hours together. And the three hours, if you're listening, I'm going to repeat some of the things that we talked about in the first hour for those people that weren't with us. And then we'll kind of cruise through. We've got a great guest that's going to be joining us at the top of the hour next hour. Attorney General Mark Burnovich is uh, putting up his dukes against the feds and reminding people a little thing called the Constitution and our and our Tenth Amendment and the state rights that we have here to do what we feel is right to do without the federal government's involvement or their influence. And it's finally good to have somebody stand up in a way that is credible and makes sense and actually can put the words together in a way that everybody can really understand and tie into. So he's been doing a lot. He's been very, very busy as attorney general, and he's working hard to protect our state as well as to move the needle as it relates to the relevance of the Constitution. And that is, again, one of the things that all of us as as conservatives We hope for, we pray for, and we hope that we have good outcomes. And when people are willing to fight, we love them, and we want to keep them around. So that being said, we'll hear from the Attorney General after the hour, about 5.06. And I'm going to talk to him about what the feds are trying to do with the audit and what he's doing to defend our right as a state to manage the audit in which it's being managed. Again, whether you like it or not, do you want the federal government coming in and stomping on us every time they get a chance? When we were talking, going into the break, I talked about this little white ribbon in, as it relates to Russia. So here we are in our country, and even up until, I would say, before Trump, I mean, when, if you were to be critical of Obama at all, you were called a racist. I mean, it didn't matter anything what you were saying. I mean, you could have been talking about the way that the, the White House lawn was kept and 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 then if you pointed at him as the reason why it was doing that people would call you a racist if you didn't like a tie you were a racist of course if you said something about something to do with his family you're a racist or critical of any economic policy environmental policy you name it you're a racist it is the dems wild card it's the fix all fit all throw that jersey on their opposition and people run from it it is a disgusting label to have as as a human being to be a real racist and they realize that so they use it as a way to tamp people down to create fear and to shut our mouths okay it's it's disgusting and despicable to say the least so now you transition past then you have trump coming to office and man anytime he said anything critical of anybody he was the great hater right 
and um, they reshaped, twisted, they they bent every aspect of everything that that man talked about to make him look as bad as he possibly could and a bigot at all levels. And they were wrong, but it was it. Hey, let's get the jersey out. This guy's making an incredible impact on our economy. He's putting people back to work. He's allowing people to feel the way they should as humans. Let's just throw a jersey on that guy and then make him just where people push back because they don't want to sit at a table with somebody wearing a, a jersey that says racist on it, even if they didn't apply it to their own body. It's the way it is. So now you get into this cancel culture. My gosh, if you say something wrong, you get smashed by the media. You get smashed by coworkers. You get smashed by the progressive liberals that are just out there trolling around on the Internet doing what they're doing. It's disgusting. You know, again, I, I've said this before on the show, but the biggest lie in this world right now is when the liberals or the progressive liberals, I should say, come out and say tolerance or coexisting. They only mean that if you agree with them. If you don't agree with them, you're the enemy and they are willing to get in your face and destroy everything that you have associated with your life, good or bad, to prove some point that they just don't like you. And so they're going to teach you a lesson. And their voices are large. They're, they're, the body of their communities are small. So they get out there and they do this. Now, what's happened is, you know, you have conservatives. I have friends that were there uh, when the Capitol was stormed, so to say, and people went inside the Capitol, what have you, that were outside and doing their thing. But there was a whole bunch of people. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were part of that. Peaceful. And some of those knuckleheads that ran in there and smashed and vandalized, those people should be punished for what they did. No question. But they shouldn't throw this great big net over the hundreds of people that were out and about that did not do anything. They weren't stealing laptops or they weren't pushing lecterns around or smashing windows or crawling through um, the small little glass windows of doors. They were there to support their, the president of the United States. They believe rightfully earned it, and they were in opposition to this. Now, in our country, that there's a history of this. Okay, we watch in different states with the Black Lives Matter protests that happened. And we saw these riots where people weren't even getting arrested. They were beating people to a pulp with two by fours and with sticks, smashing windows, looting. Tell me how many of those people got arrested. You go to the FBI website and troll through it. You're not going to see anybody's picture on the website. You can see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pictures on the FBI's website right now saying, do you know this person? We're looking for this person. They are on a manhunt for these people. So there's this big criticism, again, that Putin came out and said, hey, look, you're criticizing us for picking apart people that are politically opposed to me. You're doing the same thing in your country. You're doing it. And I agree that they're doing that. Okay. Now, in Russia, there is a, I think it was around 2011, I attended the Thunderbird School of Global Management. It's one of the best international business schools in the world. And one of the campuses is in Moscow. So part of my education was there. And when I was there, I noticed that on some car mirrors, on their side mirrors, there were little white ribbons. And on some of the women's purses, there were little white ribbons or what have you. And there are days when it's much more pronounced. They have white ribbon days or what have you. But that little white ribbon is a symbol of opposition of the current leadership of Russia. Okay? I mean, you, you may not be standing there with a bullhorn, but you're walking around with it. You've got it on your vehicle. You're saying, here I am doing this. And I'm not saying, man, I'll tell you, I've heard stories where it goes from a little white ribbon to where people are opening and organizing meetings and they disappear. Putin is not an angel by any stretch of the imagination. But when we have this hypercritical Joe Biden that's doing this to Putin... It is hypocritical. It is unbelievable, quite honest. It, it is something where they have a hard time looking in the mirror. 
and they in saying, look, I am the same person that I'm criticizing. And that is the thing that Putin said. He didn't he he denied a lot of it. But he also said, look, if you look in the mirror and you see something ugly, that's because you're doing the same thing. And so they put it out there and what have you. So you see these nations that are evolving into a freer country, the democracy, it's so corrupt there in so many different ways. You see this happening. You see this evolving away from that line that was this absolute KGB corruption. And you see it. The people are being born into a freer nation and they're learning what it means. We've been there. okay, And for some reason, we elect people like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and other people that are so willing to take it away from you and have the government control it. That's where I just get so appalled here. And we start talking about the economy. We talk about COVID. We talk about all these different elements where it starts to compress down on us and it makes it very hard to live. I've had people that are fighters. Saw a good friend of mine that was in the GOP here in the state. And he told me he registered as an independent. I was shocked. He was a guy that was volunteering everywhere and doing it. He said, you know what? Many of our leaders have just abandoned it. He goes, I'm more conservative than them, so I'm not abandoning my conservative principles. But I just need somebody to stand up and fight and get organized, coalesce, focus on the mission, whether it's winning elections, changing it, or what have you. Earlier we heard some discussion about, you know, you get culture precedes politics. You hear that quite often. So you have a culture in the, in the conservative movement that's independence. We believe in individualism. We believe in the right of the value of accomplishment. We believe that people should work hard. If they work hard and have great outcomes, they did it. They earned it. Okay, that's okay. All of these things. But what happens is sometimes that gets in a way when people are competing and it happens in politics. There's the industry of politics and then there's those people that are elected. When I talk about the industry of politics, political action committees, they'll say, oh, no, 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 I'm a cause fighter. This is it. Well, do you earn your income from that political action committee? Is all your livelihood tied to it? You become a strong special interest. We all are in one way or the other. Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, you want those donations to come to you. You want these things to happen to you. You want these things to happen to you. You've got this political industry that's here. Consulting, political action committees, advertisers, everything associated. There's a whole industry tied to it. We come back. I'm going to tell you the difference between the political industry and then the policy makers and the policy dynamics on this side and the interests that are evolving. Now, look, we want to win. You and me, as this grassroots conservative, say we want to win at all costs. We'll volunteer our time. We'll do what we can. Others say, can't afford to do that. i got to work it. And so they hedge. And that's where we start getting in trouble as conservatives is the hedgers, the people that only water the turf under their feet. If they started to look out... We might actually win something and and make it happen. So we come back from the break. I'm going to define those a little bit more, and I'm going to shift into some of these more macro issues as we move into this next election cycle, which is happening now. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham. You're listening to 960 The Patriot, and you are at a place where you should feel safe as a conservative because we can open it up, have dialogue, and do what we can to have the best outcome and protect the governing principles and values that we believe are the best principles and values to govern a nation, to govern people. And that is giving back the strength and giving back the ability for people to be people 
and we trust them. That's one of the biggest differences that we have between the Dems and the ours is that we trust the people to be smart. And we trust them to apply themselves in a way that's meaningful. And if they make mistakes, they do, and they have to pay the consequences. If they make great choices, if they lean into the fight, if they take risks and they're successful as a result, they have the right to accomplishment. They have the right to succeed. They have right to distance themselves from their peers because they've done it. They've done it. Hopefully they'll give back, but it's their prerogative. They should not be forced to do so. Well, going into the break, I was talking a little bit about the industry of politics and separating it a little bit because one of the biggest frustrations, I'll give you an idea. So I became the chairman of the Republican Party in 2013. And I would say even going into that, I was naive. I grew up around politics. So when I was a young man, my little kid, actually, my my uncle was a commissioner of Michigan. He was on President Ford's cabinet as a secretary of tourism. I was around politics. I saw it. I saw it happening. I would hide under his desk when I was old enough to listen and pay attention to these land deals and stuff. And I was just blown away by what they would talk about. He was a national committee man for the Republican Party in, in Michigan to the RNC. And, um, and so I was around it. I heard it. I was brainwashed, quite honestly. It was pretty funny. I had some experiences. One of these times I'll, I'll share some pretty funny experiences I had. But as a result of it, I just learned what it meant to be a conservative. Both my parents attended Hillsdale College. So if you're familiar with good old Hillsdale, both my parents are. So I didn't have a chance to be anything else. I think I would have been put outside to roast if I would have had any other leanings as it related to politics or policy. But that being said, you know, you have this idea of being a fighter, right? You hear these policies, you hear these principles, and you say, you know what, I'm going to fight for that. I'm going to go out, I'm going to vote. If I can volunteer for a candidate or a campaign, I'm going to do it. All the time, people are asking me, how do I get involved? So when I got involved, I, I was pretty fed up. I owned a financial services company. I wrote a book called Job Killers, The American Dream in Reverse. And it was the impact that modern labor unions, negative impact that modern labor unions were having on jobs in our economy. Well, that book took off. We, I, I spent quite a bit of time at a number of different universities and institutions across the country. And I was able to kind of do my thing. And I was also running this financial services company. But the whole point of me writing or getting involved was the fact that it was policy was colliding with capitalism. Here I'm trying to help people to plan their retirement and live their dreams out and invest in smart things. And then we have these policies that are coming in and crippling certain economies or different industries because of some backward policy that didn't have any science. There was no justification for it, but it was crippling and hurting people. Okay, And I, I cited GM earlier where it hurt a lot of people with what President Obama did as it related to the restructuring of GM. It was terrible. So here I am. i got to become an activist. So instead of me just shooting out emails, just hating on everybody, I started to write articles, started to write about very specific things related to tax policy, fiscal policy, trade policy, commerce. You started looking at labor policy. Started doing it. ALEC, American Legislative Exchange Council, has something called the States and Nation Policy Summit. I was asked to speak at that multiple times for the different summits and different groups. And I'm talking about these policies and ways and formulas to actually win. Okay, It's not a secret. There are ways to win that are really well defined. So you see this. And then I get encouraged to run to become the state, the chairman of the Arizona Republican Party and try to organize people to bring coalitions together, groups that already exist, the different minority groups and ethnicities that we have in the state that just really don't know our message unless somebody brings it to them. We were knocking doors in places like Rio Rico and such in Tucson area uh, during some of the election cycles. And we had people say in, in largely Hispanic communities that said to us, Wow, we can't believe you're here. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you're the first political person that's ever knocked on my door. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? 
They said, look, the Democrats believe they all have our vote. And the Republicans believe that the Democrats have our vote, so no one ever shows up at our doors and talks to us. Okay, because people have thrown in the town. They have this preconceived idea, and they just stay away. Well, what the people of this country want, the real eligible voters, the ones that are citizens of this nation that want to participate, they want information that needs to be brought to them. And sometimes we have to communicate it in a very real way. So here I am. I get roped into this, and I think, hey, I can do this. I love my party. I want to get there. So I... I run, I get elected with 73% of the vote. It was mind-blowing. And I remember the first couple of days I sat there and I'm like, what do I do now? You know, I've got the job. I've got, to, I've got to try to facilitate a great outcome for the Republican Party. I was blessed with great people that worked with me. I mean, I, I got to tell you, great institutional knowledge as relates to relationships and such. And, and then we started to navigate. We had to bring donors' imaginations back of what was possible. We had to show reports and how we were coalescing with different groups to have these outcomes. And the interesting thing was a lot of people were like, oh, man, you worked a lot. I worked 24 hours, seven days a week, it felt like. There were times at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, phone ring. I'd get up and go in the backyard and have conversations. And my, my wife kept pretty tired of it for four straight years, two different terms. But what had happened is I did that as a volunteer. I didn't get paid. It hurt my businesses. It hurt our financial situation and everything. But it was the right thing to do to serve because what do we want? I wanted to win. I wanted to bring those conservative principles and values to light and do it. And we painted the state red and more red. Every single cycle, people got involved and communities started to be converted to what we believed was great. So now you're in that spot. And I can tell you multiple times. When I was in as a chairman, my naivety was just smacked down a few times where there were people that I respected as these diehard, absolute conservatives. They have to be cause fighters or volunteer their world to us. And and you get there and no, they're not. They would actually were doing things behind the scenes to unravel different political stuff. And the constituents still believe them to be the conservative superstars. I will not name anybody's name on this, but I just became disenfranchised with individuals. And then I started to see this difference of the politics and the policy side. And then I started seeing the industry of politics work. And it just made me sick inside because we don't just fight for the principles and values, but we've got to fight against people in our own party. Now, I'm not saying rhinos. People that use that word rhino need to be disgusted in themselves because you have to be able to define that. And if you don't have a litmus test or something, maybe there are certain issues you're squishy on. Okay, so just recognize when people are at least rowing in the same direction, we've got a stronger team. Okay, when we do that, maybe there's different things that they don't agree 100 percent with you, but that doesn't mean you roll a grenade into the barracks. Right. You just get it done. You keep moving forward and you keep trying to fight hard as relates to it, because what happens is when we start to fight inside and when we have the industry of politics laying down their turf and not allowing anybody on that turf, it makes all of our battles disjointed. We overlap. So let's say we're going to try to get swing voters to vote a certain way. Well, if I'm trying to get those swing voters to vote a certain way, you are too. And we get donors, we're overlapping. They may get 10, 20, 30 contacts and get messaging that doesn't line up consistently with what it needs to line up for. So instead of getting a ton of action, you get little action because people are confused and they're paralyzed. So the industry of politics is about making money livelihood. And they can say, I'm conservative. Or they can say I'm more moderate, whatever they want to say. But the reality is those individuals are there to make money and their decision making is not based upon the best policy all the time. 
It's about what is going to get them and their family to financial security. So recognize that that force is out there. So when you line up to volunteer, you've got to roll up your sleeves and you got to get ready to get out there and hammer a little bit because we want the best possible outcome. And it's available, but we have to work to make it happen. We'll be back after the break and we'll talk about how to work. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham. You're listening to 960 The Patriot, and we're talking politics as it relates to up close and personal here in Arizona. Again, I was sharing these stories when I was chairman of the Republican Party, and some of the things that my eyes had to be wide open. A lot of times people will say to you that uh, when they get into politics, they first start to understand it. And man, I'll tell you what, is that the truth? It was interesting when I was chairman of the Republican Party and some of the other chairs that may be listening today or our current chair or anywhere in the country, when you meet governors from other states and you introduce yourself and you say, hey, my name is Robert Graham. What do you do? I'm the chairman of the Arizona Republican Party. They put their hands on your shoulder. They go, oh, I'm so sorry. It's so tough. And, you know, you would think that that's tough because you're trying to manage all these motivated people to drive in the same direction, to take out the progressive swell that is poisoning our country. But it's not what happens. What happens is you get your keyboard keyboard cowboys who think that the best way to fix our nation is by purging our own party. It is crazy. So you end up like talking to people all the time about how much they hate our own party. And they have all these solutions for purging people that are not so conservative. Give you a quick story. I was one of the first times I became Chairman, and one of the first county meetings I was invited to was up in Mojave County, which is a very conservative, one of my favorite places on earth as it relates to the state of Arizona. And as I'm walking through the parking lot headed toward this meeting, I get stopped by two or three members of that that committee up there. And they said, get ready. There's going to be a fist fight up here today. I'm like, fist fight? They're like, yeah, they're people. They're, you got the rhinos. Okay, again, rhino, if you don't know what that means, Republican in name only. And you got the real conservatives. They're going to fight today. And I'm like, you're fighting today. What the heck am I walking into? And then I walk up on another couple. Of people, oh, you ready for today? This is crazy. So long story short, I keep hearing about these really ultra conservative people and these rhinos in the room. And I thought, this is this is not so this has got to stop because what's happening to that county, it's becoming dysfunctional, not operating. They're not doing anything to further the message. Get out the vote, get to know their voters, get people to encourage them. To vote. All the people up there witnessing is a fight. So I get up to the front of the room and I say, hey, I understand there's going to be a fight today. And you can imagine how that went when you have 150, 200 adults. They kind of squirm in their chair, <laughs> nervous laughs. And they're like, what? And I said, no, I heard there's going to be a fight between the conservatives and the rhinos. And then a couple people, a couple like wimpy little claps and uh, a little bit more nervous laughter. And I said, can you guys do me a favor before this starts? Can the most conservative person in the room please stand up? And I paused. And guess what happened? Nobody stood up. A little more like wiggle wobble in their chair and they were uncomfortable. I said, no, 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 hey. Come on, most conservative person in this room, please stand up. There's got to be that person here. No one stands up. And now at this point, they're not really happy with me because I'm making this a very uncomfortable meeting. And then I go a third time and I say, listen, I keep hearing about these rhinos and these super ultra conservatives. You guys have to have some list 
that you compare people to to check off, to say, yes, yeah, person does this, they do this, they do this, a litmus test of some sort to define conservatism as it relates to your county. And that's what I'm asking for. So you've got to have it. So the most conservative person, please stand up. Nobody stood up. And so that's when I went to him and I said, look, this is craziness. If you don't have the courage to stand up for those conservative principles to define yourself as that person, how in the world can you hold people to some standard that doesn't even exist? Okay. So again, maybe they disagree with you on the handling of military or taxes or something with the government, other issues that may be out there. The reality is, is that it's super hard to define who they are. And what it comes down to is they just don't like some people. And so they throw a label on them and they smash them. We've seen this happen in districts here in Maricopa County and what have you. And it's one team against another team and people just kind of take sides and they get shoved out of another team. They join the other team. It is cycle. But what happens is, is those districts, those PCs, these precinct committee men, those state committees, people that have given their life to be volunteers out there, elected volunteers, aren't doing anything but fight each other. So who is the biggest risk that we have? Think about the principles and our rights that are under assault. Free speech, freedom of religion, Second Amendment, the life of the unborn. How about our military? How about our borders of our great nation, our citizenry? I could go on and on and talk about all of these different dynamics that are under fire. They're under assault. There's no masking it. You don't need to ask somebody to stand up. We see the president, Joe Biden, standing up in front of our nation every single time he puts a mic in front of him. And he says, I'm going to take this away from you. Okay, if you don't think this is reality, you have to wake up to this reality. So rather than fight somebody because you don't like them in your district, or maybe they said something that doesn't line up for what you define as the most conservative, we have to start rallying the troops and we have to push hard. So there are organizations taking shape in this state that are all about action for winning. When we come back, I'm going to give you a couple more examples of this hatred that's coming after conservatives. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham. You're listening to 960 The Patriot, and hopefully you're hanging tight, getting ready for the day to finish. If you're working, I'm glad you're tuned in. If you're heading home, or if you're at home, glad you're tuned in. I think my sweet mother, Annie, is listening every time I come on the air, and so I always appreciate her doing that, and I get to chat with her about the topics, and she gets to pick me apart a little bit if she didn't like something I said. All that being said, she's a diehard conservative. You may have heard uh, one of the earlier segments. Both of my parents actually, they met at Hillsdale College. That's where they met, and um, and then that's where uh, things happened. And uh, that's where the spawn of our creations, too. Our children are extremely conservative, and they're out there shaking up the world right now. And that's pretty amazing. My son is at the U.S. Naval Academy. He's actually doing a survival outing right now. It's like uh, uh, they spend 10 days, and they have to hike. And they hit them. They're doing minimalist type stuff. So limited food, the water is whatever they get out there in the land and um, and their supplies. They have a pack, but they're out there for 10 days and they do 200 miles. And uh, they started yesterday. And I don't know if you saw the weather over there in Appalachia yesterday was poor. I mean, we're not talking about a little bit of rain. It was torrential, crazy rain. So he is in for quite the experience. When he finishes that, three days later, he's off to Leatherneck, which is a 21-day, almost like a boot camp trial-type thing 
for uh, Navy potential Navy officers to possibly be Marine officers. And so they go through a pretty interesting war game slash hardcore hammer time for 21 days. So he's got quite the summer kind of mapped out. And um, as you can imagine, proud dad for my serving son here. And then I've got my sweetheart uh, daughters out there and others that are starting businesses. It's just a fun time right now. And I look at this and I think about the freedoms and the environment that we're in right now that helps to cultivate this and make it possible. We start thinking about the world impacts and things that are hammering on us. We need to make sure that we understand our freedoms and that we need to make sure that we're not censored, okay, and that we can actually express ourselves in a meaningful way. I think about universities at large and even the whole education process and everything that when you when you were to go to a university, the whole idea was to have debate, to make arguments, to learn from each other, try to expand your philosophy and such. Uh, I had a really eclectic group, a uh, very dynamic group when I went through Thunderbird. It was 47 students in my cohort from all over the world and all different experiences. And it was amazing, the debate that we got into. And the teachers just let us do it, let us go. You couldn't really always understand which side of the coin your teachers were um, favored to because they let us debate and they let us kind of work ourselves through all the discussion points as we were working through it. But it it was an interesting time as we went there. Now, you get into this, and um, I mentioned earlier a book that I'd written. The book is called Job Killers. And I had Barnes & Noble pick it up. I had Amazon pick it up, and some of the other groups were moving this along. And then... I had a very close friend of mine in Michigan go into the Amazon, or excuse me, go to Barnes & Noble to pick up the book. She went in, she asked for it. They said, oh yeah, it hasn't come in physically yet, but we can put your name down and order it. It'll be here in the next few days. So the next few days she goes in to get it. She's, a, again, a mother of one of my best friends and um, wasn't there, wasn't there. So she inquired again about it and they said, uh, Barnes & Noble put a little thing on there that they opted out. Now this has been all fact-checked and everything, and they came back and said, uh, we're opting out because there are certain facts in there that we didn't believe are accurate. And I can tell you, I did the research. I had a number of people doing the research. I had it fact-checked by the National Right to Work Defense Foundation to make sure everything was accurate and was consistent with the truth, and so it was there. Well, they yanked it because the unions gave Barnes & Noble a headache because of the book being kind of an anti-antagonistic book. It wasn't like that if you read the whole book. It was just a fact-based book that kind of defined the best economic policy for states as related to labor. So they, they put the big hammer on there, and um, and they did it. They pulled it. Well, just recently, this is similar, but this is, this is a little off. So you've got this Pride Month that's going on right now, and we've all been witnessing the the bannerism of the rainbow and everything flying around us and just where we are. But a Texas library apologized this week for accidentally displaying a conservative book on transgender issues in its Pride Month showcase. So they put a book out there that they just believe based upon the title. Okay, now you can probably understand the title of this book is When Harry Became Sally. That might be construed as a transgender book, which it is, but it's uh, responding to transgender moment. And they just got hammered on, okay? And they come out with an apology for this. Now, why this becomes national news, I have no idea. And why, you know, they make a mistake and they do this. And again, this is a very, very small community, the transgender community, people that actually feel as if they're there. If you Google it, you'll see. And it is remarkable, the impact and the influence they have on changing people's behavior with their voices. 
Now, again, if you're a conservative sitting back watching this, instead of being disgusted with it, you should sit back and say, how do we do that? How do we create that kind of influence and movement with the principles and policies and values we believe in? Because we're not doing it as effectively when you start thinking about these small groups. Even Black Lives Matters, my gosh, the wind was blowing and the riots were happening and you had the majority of people standing back saying, I don't get this, you know, completely. I do in certain circumstances, for sure. But as it relates to Black Lives Matters, you know, we were taught all lives matter, right? I mean, everybody, anybody with a Christian basis or not, a religious basis, period, or just a good person basis. You treat people fairly, you love them. It's the way it works as we get there. Hey, we've got Rob from Surprise hanging on here. Rob, I don't know. We're going to join in here. I see Navy and Biden. What is well, the scoop? Well, first of all, I, I want to tell you uh, that you're doing a great job as a guest host, as Thanks. always. And I followed you guys for a long time. Um, second of all, Academy graduate, so I'm all right, uh, great. You know, encouraging that your son is. Did he graduate or is he still there? No, he's he's going to be a firstie, so he's going to be in his senior year this year, and okay. um, and so now he's got to make the decision to go blue or go green. I think he's leaning for yeah. uh, aviation on the Navy side, but we'll see. Well, that's a fine choice. I, I went naval aviation. I went F-14 Tomcats. That's long been retired, but I encourage him to pursue that. And uh, like most folks that uh, graduate from there, there's so much that they And a lot of it is, is memorization, and yeah. that holds especially true in the uh, naval aviation community because there's a lot of emergency procedures that need to be memorized. Down in Pensacola and Kingsville or Beeville, or Meridian, depending on where they go. Yep. Um, I wanted to mention uh, that uh, J.D. Hayworth was on, and he he had, a, I guess, a problem with Mark Burnovich's uh, email, which mentioned his dogs, and he compared it to how ineffective it was against Martha McSally. Um, I'm a rescuer and a dog person, and I never got the email, but I, I'm just kind of confused about, well, first of all, I don't have a problem with this email. Second of all, I know the general is, General Mick is running, and I'm running into some uh, confusion over, well, what should we support? And I don't know if you can expand upon that or when Mark comes on board. I know he's been a strong supporter in Arizona, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, maybe he can clarify some things about why support him versus the general yeah when we come back i will definitely do that and, and rob i'm not cutting you off but we are out of time right now we're going into commercial but i'll address a couple of things that you mentioned here but again it, it is time when you start looking at what's coming up with these elections it's time for us as voters to start to dig in a little bit the primaries are the most powerful part of the election if you ask me and this is the time for us our people the republican conservative the people that really want to shake it out this is the time we need to find information and do what we possibly can. Rob, I got to thank you for your service too. I'll tell you, my heart it just swells when I when I go to the academy and see those guys in their whites. We'll be back after the break. Hey, we're back. We just heard from Rob from Surprise, and Rob again. Thanks again for your service. And naval aviation just sounds pretty amazing. You know, you look at the different opportunities that these midshipmen, when you go to the Naval Academies or any of the service academies, it takes quite a bit of something 
to even get a congressional nomination to apply and then to be accepted. And then when you're there to be able to excel in a number of different areas, it's amazing to see the opportunities that they afford these individuals. And people are like, oh, it's college. It is not college, okay? I can tell you that they are. They go to school. They are taught. They end up with degrees. But, my gosh, these people turn into our leaders, our military leaders, and they know things and they think differently and they position professionalism a different way. It's pretty amazing. And I'm watching my son, who's 22 now, and he took a little – he would normally be graduating this year, but he served a, a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and had to take a break. And then when he came back, he couldn't get right back in. Uh, he had to wait because they, they do the admittance at the beginning of each school year. So he's in there now for a couple of years after this, and this is his uh, fourth year coming up. And uh, it's funny because he did the, the – um, naval the the flight assimilation tests or whatever and uh and he called me and he's like dad i was in adhd heaven there were dials everywhere and had to make these decisions and maps and he just loved it and so we'll see where he goes he loves human intelligence he has a great regard high regard for marines and um so it's going to definitely be one or the other and um and different paths but again when we started talking he uh, made mention rob did about uh, uh attorney general Brnovich running for senate and some of the other candidates that we have there, and who should we pick? Well, I got to tell you, that's your job to figure it out. And one of the greatest things about campaigns, if you find your way to their their websites, then you start to learn about where they stand on issues. Like some of you may have one issue that's most important, or you may have two. Some of you may be more well-rounded and understand the real job of the Senate. And then you can start to dig in a little bit more and see who lines up the best. Because experience is there. People say, well, that person's not a politician before. Well, that doesn't always mean that's good, okay? Because you've got to also navigate that that cavern of uh, pitfalls and just gross, gross corruption. And so if you can get around it and you can do your thing to it, it gives you some incredible experiences there. But this is the time. Primaries are one of the things that's great about Republicans is typically people will criticize and say, oh, we have crowded primaries. Well, crowded primaries mean we have a lot of people that want to stand up and serve, and then they've got to differentiate themselves in a way so that you and me will pick them to vote for, right? So it gives us an opportunity to get involved that engages more voters. And primaries are typically more uh, – the turnout for Republicans is higher because we have our crowded primaries and we do it. But that's when we say we believe in the people and we don't try to clear the fields like Democrats do where they tell people, they threaten people, get out of this race or you'll never get elected to anything again. That happens all day long, and that is not a for-the-people thing. Again, Democrats believe in big government, social social engineering, and they believe that they should control you, and they should control me. And it's pretty darn obvious as it relates to the elections and what's happening. When we come back, we have Attorney General Brnovich, and we're going to talk about HR1 and what that may or may not do to this great country that we live in.